Hey, Hot Family community, it's Drexel here. I'm so excited for today because I'm gonna be having our guest, Justin. Remember, I'm not better than you, I'm learning with you. Let's dominate life and baseball together. So I have my special guest, Coach Justin, all the way in New York. He is specifically coaching in the hitting and in the batter's box, and I'm the pitching coach. So of course, I was grateful and very blessed to have the opportunity to connect with him, to share with you guys what can we do, you and me, can do to get better in the batter's box? So, Justin, and please go ahead and introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background and your experience in baseball and what got you into baseball. So, first of all, Drexel, thank you so much uh, for having me on. It's I, I listened to the last podcast you do, the most recent one you did, and you're you're very good at it. You're very good at this. Um, thank you. you know, obviously, you're a great baseball coach, but you're a good host, very good host. And I just want to give you kudos before I introduce myself. Bottom line, this is the power of social media. You and I have never met before in person. Uh, maybe one day we will. Uh, but I'll tell you. Not maybe. Have... We will. No, we will. We will. But, uh, <laughs> you know, bottom line is uh, you do a fantastic job. And the reason why I love you is because of your positivity, uh, your encouragement, uh, your warmth. Uh, that those are the traits that you know there's so many great coaches on instagram and 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 all over the world frankly but those three you know pillars of being a coach are are extremely important and as a human being so uh you know i i really appreciate you and i appreciate you having me on so thank you Um, thank you and yeah i'm from new york uh I'm not going to go over my same spiel because I, I feel like I talk, I, I want to try to change up my spiel as far as basically how I got into baseball, who I am. Uh, I am a New Rochelle, New York native. I'm in the epicenter currently of, of the whole Corona uh, thing going on. So I guess I can use the word epicenter. I use, I never used that word before up until like two months ago. So I'm in the epicenter. I'm proud to be in it. And uh, big, big, big city. My high school graduating class was 1,200 people, coach. 1,200 people. Um, so it was very competitive. Uh, a lot of great athletes. Uh, unfortunately, I got cut from my junior varsity baseball team in high school. Had to make a decision whether to keep playing baseball. Uh, I was going to maybe play golf. But I went up to the, to the high school coach, the JV high school coach. I said, listen, coach. What can I do to get better? And what can I do to make the varsity? He thought I was going to like, you know, jump him or beat him up or something in the parking lot. But I just was really asking him, (laughs) what can I do to get better? And he told me, and it was a great decision because, you know, moving forward now, you know, figure 13 years later, I'm now in the coaching game and I love it. And I built the whole company, Justin Time Baseball, out of it. So uh, New Rochelle. The whole baseball thing, as far as how I got involved, I don't know if that, I know I'm, jam, I'm jumbling around here, coach, but how I got Not involved, um, I have a beautiful, gorgeous baseball field up the street from my house. And every time I'd wake up uh, on a Saturday morning, I would hear the bing, bing, bing. And I just would always walk up in the morning to see these big stud baseball players. And I was just so impressed. And the coaches were fantastic. Uh, and they were so welcoming, and that's what kind of made me feel my first thing, my first impression of what a great coach is. They were so uh, encouraging and, and welcoming, and uh, honestly, that question that you know you told me about this question, th- that really is what got me interested in baseball to begin with. If that answers the question in the long way. In the long way. 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's great to hear. And and he being modest about uh, building a, a company at, in baseball, he's becoming a well-known uh, baseball coach, especially been in the news just recently for taking the approach to start doing PE online, which is a great aspect and focusing on baseball and actually going beyond that and realizing and educating beyond baseball and teaching and educating about life as well. Because at the end of the day, baseball isn't who you are, it's what you do. So I, I one of the things that I admired about you is that for sure, because I see that you're focused on the players, understanding that they are players, but at the same time, they are individuals too. So uh, let's, I really appreciate you doing that and actually taking that approach too. So I, I just want to amend you on that. Thank you, coach. Thank you. So um, now let's get into a little bit of detail on what can myself, so what can I and some of the players that are listening to this, what can we do to get better? And first, I want to really cover is what is the biggest mistakes that we're making that we need to change or approach or think about when we are uh, at bat or training? It's a fantastic question. So uh, there's so many layers of an answer. There's so many layers, but let's start with just hitting basic one-on-one. I'll tell you, as as a baseball player in college and playing semi-professional baseball, um, you got to detach from the outcome and, and focus on the process. Uh, I know for myself, I would have been a much better baseball player, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And it's easier said than done, but detaching from the outcome and really Uh, focusing on the process, I think makes you more successful and frankly happier. And it applies as you can, because you built up a great company as well, coach. You know, it applies to business, it applies to anything in life. Focus on the process and ultimately you'll have better results anyway. So uh, what are some things like, what are some examples of that in baseball? Well, you know, I can't control my batting average. I can't control my batting average. What could I control? I could control getting a great pitch and hitting it hard. Uh, What could I control? Could I control what someone says about me? No. All I could control, Coach, as you know better than anybody, is your attitude and your effort. And if you bring the right attitude and the the correct effort, the amount of effort every day, you should be pretty – I don't like using the word content, but at peace. You should be at peace. There's always room to get better. But if you control control what you can control every day and in the batter's box, control what you can control, whether as getting a good pitch to hit and working hard, uh, I think you'll be at peace as a ball player and enjoy the process more. It's called blissfully dissatisfied. It's where you're satisfied with the results and how you're doing and you're staying present in the moment. But then you're also acknowledging the fact that you have more to gain, more to learn. So I love that you are mentioning that. So that, so you you believe that it's more about the the mental side of the game rather than the physical attributes to actually swing in the bat and everything, or is there some components to both of them? Oh, there's totally components to both of them, Coach. Uh, you know, if you want to talk mechanical. Uh, I think if, if I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here. I know you. I know we. No, go for it. Go for it. But uh, basically, um, you know, as far as mechanically, it really. I'm going back. It really is important to emphasize controlling what pitch you get in the batter's box. 
uh, and not necessarily trying to get what you want, but but focus on what you're going to get. You know, you can't have an 0-2 count and expect to want to hit a home run. You may have to change your approach and expect off speed. Like you're obviously you're a great pitcher. You post some beautiful videos, and you understand this better than me, right? I mean, you have to kind of take what the pitcher's giving you as opposed to trying to look for what you want because it's not about what you want; it's what you're going to get in the box. Um, I think that's a big thing mechanically. I think even as young as eight, nine years old, actually, because those are a lot of the kids I teach, students I teach. So um, trying not to do so much and kind of control what you can control and uh, take what the pitcher gives you and, and capitalize on it. Got it. Got it. So what you're speaking of is what I kind of talk about a few times in the past, which is focusing on one pitch at a time, taking one pitch at a time assessing the situation, assessing what you have to do and accomplish within that situation. And then the next thing to do is to execute. You either execute or you fail and then you forget about it and you move on to the next pitch. So I I highly uh, acknowledge that and I totally agree with you. That's something that I still need to work on. And some of the viewers that are listening to this, I hope that they take that as uh, notes as well because at the end of the day, it's really easy as hitters to try to just want to swing it just to swing it when we really need to acknowledge, Hey, what's the situation? What's the count? What's the pitcher? Can, is there a pattern that he's doing? Or is there a is there a man on first or second? What's the situation? How can I approach this? What do I need to do to approach this um, so that I can accomplish and do whatever I can to help my team win? Coach, uh, I you know I had to, I know this is your podcast, but I had to ha- ask you a question. I had one locked and loaded for you. I Go mean, for it. when when did you make the sh- switch to say I'm going to strike everybody out, or switching your mindset to I'm going to throw this pitch and maybe get one pitch on a pop up or one pitch and get a double play? Yeah, when did you make that? Like, I mean, like, isn't that part of a mentality too? Like controlling what you control and be more efficient like when did that switch for you that's a great question when i was 12 i wanted to strike out every player when i was 13 i had a coach come to me and he said focus on each pitch and just that one pitch and whatever happens happen and focus on the next one when it comes and forget about the one that you already threw and that from that point i focus more about hey what's the pitch what do they want me to throw and execute that and if i don't execute it then shoot that sucks but i didn't care about the outcome of if the player hit the ball or if my catcher missed the pitch or whatever what i cared about was hey did i hit my spot and did i throw it properly and did i do it correctly if I did that, then I'm, I'm happy. And as a result of doing that, I actually went into a streak where I went 32 innings, no one getting on base, no walk, no hits. And a part of that was definitely because of the team that I had behind me. But at the end of the day, when I, when I was pitching, I just, I just focused on the one pitch. What does he want me to throw? Okay, let's make it happen and just make the throw. And once I make the throw, forget about it. What's the next throw? And so at, at the end of the day, I think when my coach sat down with me, uh, named Bobby Diebel, he's actually the president of Rawlings right now. 
Um, wow. At that wow. time, at that time, he he told me, "Hey, if you want to be a great pitcher, you got to focus on one pitch at a time. Forget about the pitch that you threw before, and then focus on the pitch that you're on now, and don't worry about the next pitch or play that's coming forward." So, as a result of that, that's when I really made the switch. Uh, that's when I really started to think about, okay. What do they want me to throw? And that's it. That's all I cared about. I didn't that, care about who was on base. Right. Hmm? And that's all. And that goes back to what I was saying. That's all process, right? I mean, he sounds like a fantastic, obviously being with such a big company like Rawlings. I mean, the top to me, if not one of the top, the top in, in the, in the world is Rawlings. But, uh, well, he was you know, actually with Easton before that. He was a sales rep. And uh, one of the top sales rep, uh, representative for Easton. And then I think it was about six, seven years ago when he tr- transferred over to Rowell. Excellent. Excellent. No, I mean, that, that's such a great point. And I always think of that as pitchers, you know, like uh, a, a great pitcher like you. I love picking their brains and just because obviously it helps you as a hitter. And I would say that would even piggybacking on what you asked me. Like, how about just talking to pitchers and studying pitchers like I think that's so underrated and you know the the batter's box underrated not uh, not the batter's box the on deck circle underrated not utilized enough I mean oh yeah they're literally giving you the answers to the test I call it the test they're giving you the answers to the test they're literally showing you hey I'm gonna throw this now someone like coach Drexel with those BBs it's gonna be harder even if you know what's coming but, I mean, you have a better chance of being successful on a good pitch when you're watching his delivery, when you're watching his timing, his delivery. And that really goes to as young as, like, nine years old when pitchers start, you know, kids start pitching. I totally agree. And I think we had this conversation in the past, too, where we were on Instagram Live where you said the one of the biggest mistakes that you see pretty often, especially during the season – is that the kids who are on deck aren't paying attention. And we were, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we were saying that, you were saying that if, if you're the fourth person that's on deck, it's not even like the person who's about to hit and you're the second person. It's when you're the fourth person, when you start paying attention to the pitcher. And then by the time it's you, you should be ready to, really execute because now you've studied the picture you understood the picture you timed the picture you've seen patterns or no patterns at all right absolutely i mean and again we're all kids at heart and kids are kids and they're going to talk to their teammates you should joke around in the dugout but there's a fine line between not paying attention and joking around i mean because baseball is a game but we should be watching the pitcher at all times, no matter what. Our back should not be, you know, excuse me, our back should not be to the field. Meaning we should be eyes on the field at all times, 24-7 when we're on a baseball field. At all times. On the pitcher. I totally agree. And and that goes to, if you, if you see a lot of... Um, pro players you'll notice that when they are done hitting even after the fact let's talk about after because wouldn't you say that the second part of that is talking about what the pitcher is doing while you're up and talking to your teammates about it so say that one more time coach i apologize what what was the question no you're okay um i was asking what about after the pitching 
because I've seen the pros when I'm watching them, I see them go back to the dugout and they're talking to the guys about what they're pitching or throwing. And then they're talking about different patterns and stuff like that. Uh, I can't remember the player who it was, but the one of the pitcher was holding his glove above his, uh, his team name. And when he had his glove up, that meant he was throwing uh, off speed pitch. But when he had his glove down, which was away from his shoulder and more closer to underneath his, his logo, that was a fastball. So that was something that was huge, which ended up turning into a huge rally that inning. And they ended up getting five runs in that one inning because of that. Absolutely. And, and again, coach, like this could apply to kids as young as eight to seven, maybe seven's a little young, but I know some studs that are seven years old get facing kid pitching. I mean, even just the simple fact of, okay, timing his leg lift. Does he go, does he hold it for two seconds? Does he hold it for one second? Does he pause? Does he, when he wants, when his arms, you know, hanging a little bit, does he lower his hands? Like you were talking about any little nugget you could dig up is an advantage because ultimately hitting is hard. So it's, you know, look at a guy like Carlos Delgado. I know, I don't know if any of your listeners, I mean, know who Carlos Delgado is, but Carlos Delgado had a, had a textbook of notes. Every little nugget he would take, you know, every little nugget after every at-bat, okay, his elbow tweaked in here on this pitch, his elbow was out on this pitch, blah, blah. Taking those notes and absorbing them and writing them down. Any little nugget you could take to get to your advantage, you're going to be ahead, you know, at least to be in a more successful situation. And that's all we can really do, right? It's just try to be in the best position, the most successful position as often as possible. Didn't he also take notes of how the teams approach him and pitch against him for the whole year and then has it and he studied it preseason to get ready for the next season? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he also coached, I don't know if you know this, I think he had at Yankee Stadium. This was like seven years ago. I was at the game, actually. It was Mets-Yankees. The guy had 11 RBIs in one game. I think it was 11 or 10. Something like that, but I would, you know, you would see the highlights after each at bat. He would take notes. So if it works for Delgado having ten RBIs in a game or whatever, nine, ten, eleven RBIs, I think it works. Yeah, definitely for sure. Now that that was some really good nuggets right there. I I don't know how this is going to be great. I'm taking some notes myself. The biggest one that I've taken was the factor in which making making sure again that I'm paying attention to the pitchers prior to uh, four times prior to being able to hit and be ready for that. What? Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about the the mechanic of hitting. What is some of the things that myself or some of the players that are listening? What are some of the basic understanding of our mechanics that we might be missing such as maybe rolling over or the toe tap or is there alignment issues that we usually do is it not using our lower half what what do you see as a hitting coach pretty consistently that we need to pay attention to so that way we can make sure that we're keeping the foundation of our hitting and mechanics up 
It's a great question. So um, I would just say first and foremost, it, this might sound like a very corny answer, Coach, but athleticism. I know that does sound corny, like you got to be an athlete. Duh, of course I got to be an athlete. But it's really not so duh. I, I work with so many kids that are, are uber talented. I mean, super talented, probably going to – you know, probably play college baseball at some point in their life. I mean, I could tell at 11 years old if they're going to go far. And I'm sure you can too. But athleticism. Um, in the box, I think it's critical to really emphasize, I call it a UAP. That's my term. I call it a universal athletic position. Um, and I tell the, all my kids that no matter how you hit, no matter where your hands are, whatever, your lower half needs to be in a universal athletic position because ultimately power comes from that core and the lower half. And if you have to work extra hard, meaning if you're standing up straight, like you're standing on line for a bacon, egg and cheese, it's going to be hard to hit a baseball. And you need to understand the idea of the UAP of the universal athletic position. Look at every great hitter. They're all in a UAP in an athletic position, universal athletic position. So first and foremost, when I see a kid, when I work with a student or even for students I've worked for years, it's always reverting back to athleticism, staying in good posture. That's another thing, coach. Uh, I see a lot of kids, a lot of young students and older students, even even as old as high school. Um, when they go to hit a baseball, uh, I've been getting on the term hip hinge a lot. You know, they, they start to like come up on the ball and not stay down on the ball and keep their chest over the baseball so two things athleticism and posture i think those are two major 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 things for hitting a baseball i almost think if you have those two things you could get away more often than not sometimes an uglier swing if that makes sense <laughs> you have athleticism if you have athleticism and you have good posture while you're hitting a baseball or a softball you could get away with you know, I've seen kids that have horrendous swings. Coach, like, honestly, I've seen kids that are awful swings, but they're athletic, and they stay over the ball, and they hit the ball 280 feet over the fence. So those two things are, I, I think, not even talked about enough as far as posture and athleticism. Well, athleticism, yes, but posture, no. I think that's really a nugget to really take away. When you, when you talk about... The posture, are you referring to the setup? Are you referring to when we take the swing, are we dropping the back shoulder? Or like, I'm trying to get a little bit more deep into that since, because you're right, I, I haven't heard very many coaches or players really talk about that. So when it comes to the posture, what are you specifically referring to and talking about? Okay, so basically when you're in your stance and you're going to hit a baseball, and when you go to load, when you go to contact, right, where are you at contact? Now, you can have your head down. You can have your hands palm up, palm down. Um, you know, there's all a bunch of terms. But are you in a good, strong foundation with your back and your hips and your, and your gluteus maximus, your butt? Are you in a good position? Whereas, for example, if I were to put a stick against your back when you're going to hit a ball, is that stick away from your back or up against your back? If it's away from your back, you're not in a good posture, which means everything else follows. Your hands get away from the ball. 
you're hitting more of the end of the bat as opposed to if you look at the great ones the greatest hitters in the world like Trout Cabrera Judge uh, who am I missing Bellinger even a guy like Bellinger right guy on the west coast like you know you know him very well he's in a tall upright athletic position but when he goes to contact his chest and his butt is sticking out and completely over the ball he owns that box that's what I mean by posture he owns the box when he's going to hit a baseball uh, and I could show anyone who wants to reach out some great drills that I have for that. I mean, there's some easy ones. You don't even need a batting case to do. You could do that, do it during this time, during all this Corona stuff. I mean, you know, a simple drill such as like being up against the wall, back and butt against the wall and just work on your load. And if you're coming away from the wall, you're not in good posture. If you're staying against the wall, that means you're in a great, strong athletic posture. Should I be standing straight up or is there some leaning away from the wall? Like, should my shoulders be touching the wall as well? So what you could do, um, just to make it, obviously it's, it's, it's a little harder to explain, but to keep it simple, if you're against the wall, you want your behind against the wall and your back and shoulders against the wall. And all you're going to do is do your normal load. And if you feel like you're behind and your backside is coming away from the wall, that's not good posture. If it's staying against the wall and you feel the back wall, you're in great posture. Does that okay. does that kind of make sense? Yeah, makes sense. I just, I just when I analyze the the hitters, I see them at they're tilting away from at a, at a way they're they're not at a ninety degree standing up straight tall like you were saying when like you're waiting in line for bacon and a cheeseburger or something. So are you saying that this is just a drill? This isn't necessarily how you actually have that posture in the batter's box and you're focusing on making sure that you stand tall or is this specifically how you want to stand when you go to swing and hit the ball? So that's a good, that's a great question. So basically when you're going to hit a ball, when you're going to load, right? You don't want to be up. I teach my guys girls when they go to hit a ball when they load if they're upright that's not proper posture if you're going to load and you're in your legs and if I were to kind of push you around and touch your back if I couldn't push you or if you were over the ball your chest was over the ball you're in a strong hitting position you have great posture you're probably gonna have a better shot at not probably you will have a better shot at ripping the baseball or softball Got you. So what you're referring to is that we want to make sure that we have a stable and strong uh, posture. So that way, if we we can basically stay in balance through the ball as we swing. And so, yeah, I know I, I now I understand what you're talking about. OK, very cool. Very cool. I, so, so I can I can I confuse myself, coach. Now, bottom line, <laughs> in a nutshell, in a nutshell, coach. Ultimately, no matter how you slice it, no matter how you slice it, you just want to be in a strong position and be as athletic as possible. And that really reverts back to posture when you're in the baseball. I mean, you could call it applesauce, but ultimately, if you're in a strong hitting position and you're over the ball, you're, you have a better shot at driving it, period. Understood. Completely understood. So making sure that we're over the ball and driving through with control, balance, and strength. 
I like that. Um, before I get into the three questions that my hop community had for you, I would love to uh, have you go ahead and share where can where can the people who are listening find you? So you can find me uh, on YouTube, Justin Sherman Baseball. Uh, you can find me on Instagram with Coach Justin Time Baseball or just Justin Time Baseball, actually. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Justin Sherman Baseball, Justin Time Baseball. Um, you can send me a text, 914-420-8418. Uh, I'd be glad to any of your of your Hawk family, which I love the name, by the way. I love it. Um, and I got to get one of your shirts. I don't know if you're, you're, you're selling shirts or whatever, but I need a shirt. I need a shirt from you and I'll send you one of mine. <laughs> I'm about uh, to but, get them pre. I'm about to set it up to where people can start pre-ordering. So I'll, I'll send you that link when we get a chance. I love it. Yeah. And, uh, I'm old school, man. If you want to call me, shoot, give me a call, give me a text, send me a text message. Hey, does this look good? Is this good posture? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, I'd be happy to talk and help as many kids as possible, as many students as possible, even parents. I mean, if they have a question about their kid, send it over, whatever you got, whatever you need. Awesome. Awesome. So you guys know, go check him out at coach, uh, Justin, you know, he's got Justin time baseball, which is a great program. He's doing online classes and one-on-one coaching. I would highly recommend him for your hitting coaching if you want pitching coaching i would highly recommend myself (laughs) um and so let's get into the three questions the first question that i had was from gavin gavin was talking about his hitting and he felt that when he was hitting off a tee he would do great and then when he go to do front toss he would do great but then once you get to the overhand throwing towards him uh live hitting he feels that he loses his mechanics and stuff like that is what what do you think is happening and why does why is he why do i is what he said why do i feel that i can't uh produce the same as when i'm on the tee for soft talk coach i get this question so much from parents it's unbelievable i must have gotten this I must have gotten this question about literally a hundred times in my life, literally. So the best answer I have for you is that is not physical. There's something that's going on in your mind. Doesn't mean you're crazy or there's something psychologically wrong with you. Cause guess what? Baseball is just a hard game. It's a hard game. In fact, I'll do it one better. I'm biased. I think you're biased. I think it's the hardest game in the world. So let's just establish that it's a hard game. Number two, um, it's definitely having not to do with your actual swing because clearly this kid's swing sounds like it's pretty solid. It's just a matter of control. going back to what I said earlier in the, in the interview, controlling what you can control. And is he maybe trying to do too much at the plate? I would guess. I mean, I'd have to watch this kid really hit off a pitcher, but um, he's probably trying to do a little too much, and that's very natural. I mean, that's just, it's just natural. It is what it is. We're all trying to do a lot, but just reverting back and keeping it simple, focus on simple tasks, whereas it's watching the pitcher, watching his load, his or her load, whoever, and uh, keeping it simple and have a little more fun. Take a breath, take, take it easy on yourself and let loose a little bit. I know these are all very simple points, but they're so, they're so powerful. They're so Gotta powerful. Gotta keep it simple. Gotta keep, keep it, it simple. simple. 
Yep. Baseball is hard on its own. Don't make it more complicated. <laughs> totally. Because clearly this kid who asked, what's his name, Coach? Gavin. Clearly Gavin sounds like he's got a very good swing because he's like, the ball never lies. I say this to all my kids. The ball never lies. If he's smacking balls, you know, if he's smacking baseballs on the tee and in front toss and he's doing, he's got a good swing. So now it's a matter of, could we, could we have an approach? Are we getting a good pitch and hitting it hard? Are we breathing? Are we watching the pitcher? Are we taking it easy on ourselves and kind of just letting the game take over and kind of just, you know, slowing things down? So those are all little simple nuggets, but they're extremely powerful. And frankly, these are what the major leaguers do. This is just because you're, how old is this, this player, coach? I believe he is 13, 14. Okay. Even a 13-year-old, a major leaguer works on the same things a 13 to 14-year-old work on. You'd be surprised. I've taught the major leaguers. And they do, they work on the same things. It's the same principles. Get a good pitch, hit it hard. You know, focus on what you can control. Take a deep breath. Watch the pitcher. Focus on the timing. And, and when in doubt, I feel like, Coach, I know I'm giving you a long answer. It's really never adding for a kid. So like this, this kid, Gavin, it's not going to add... It's all subtracting. What can we subtract to keep things simpler? Got it. Got it. So I'll, I'll definitely uh, share with him your thought today. And then later on, he'll be able to listen to this later. The next player is uh, Marco. Marco wanted to know that how do you get bounced back after going 4-0? And or he said that he went on a 9-10 and 10 streak. Not he hit once and then nine straight at bats he hasn't been able to get on base or anything. How do you get over that? And what do you need to do to be able to overcome the situation so that you can get back and increase your batting average? Is what he wanted to know. So again, and it's so much easier said than done, Coach. But I really learned it too late in my college career. Um, you have to almost kind of get rid of the batting average. I hate to say it, but because I can't control a batting average. What I can control is getting a great pitch and hitting it hard. I can't control, I mean, the bloop singles are fantastic. Uh, the, the rip line drives that get caught are also fantastic because I can't, I can't worry about what I can't control. I can't control whether I hit an absolute laser beam to the you know the center fielder and it gets caught you can't get upset at that i mean if if you get a good pitch and you hit it as hard as you can you won that at bat i don't care that you didn't get a hit you won that at bat you won that at bat so to answer his question it's it's the same thing for success even if you went nine for ten you focus on what you could control you get a good pitch you hit it hard having fun, making sure you're being a great teammate, ultimately through all of that. Um, and just focus on the controllables because the batting average will come. Believe me, I want to hit, I want everyone to have a high batting average, but the batting average comes by focusing on the process. If you focus on the process, all things will, all things will work out hundred percent. I love it. I love it. So it's more about changing the mindset of, Hey, I went, 9 and 0 and my batting average is horrible to focusing on hey did I hit some solid hits or 
am I not hitting at all? Am I striking out every time? Like it's just acknowledging how did I do out on that at bat? Right. I mean, like if, if this, if this player of yours, what's his name? I'm so sorry. What's his name? He's not a player of mine. He's in our community at Hawk and uh, I Marco. It. I love it. Marco. Okay. So Marco, what happens if he went nine for 10 on the books, but he hit four line drives. I mean, in my eyes, he went four for 10 as opposed to for one for 10. So, you know, ultimately baseball, the beautiful thing about baseball is there's always tomorrow. Um, obviously, you know, we all know that uh, that's there, the big thing. I want to correct you. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. So live for today and live in the moment and forget the past. I like that even better, coach. I like that even better. But, uh, you know, baseball is just a game of, you know, next, next. Even if you hit a bomb over the wall, next on to the next at bat, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, control the controllables. Focus on what you can control. I know these are all simple principles and they sound repetitive, but it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. All right. Awesome. This is the last question of the interview. And I want to say thank you again for taking your time to do the interview with our community and Hawk family. Um, and I welcome you a long time ago, and I want to welcome you again to being a part of it. Um, the last it. question is from Jen. Jen is a mom. She messes uh, asking, what can I do as a parent to make sure that my kids are playing well? Is it more so making sure they have the fancy equipment? Is it about uh, making sure that I spend time with them? Or is it about... Uh, taking, getting them the coaching and training. What can I do as a, a parent to help my son do better on the field? Huh, this is one of the best questions ever. You know why? I'll give you an easy answer. Just love your kid. Just love your kid. Because it's our lives, you know, meaning it's a huge part of your life. It's a huge part of my life. You and I are fortunate enough that we could say we get to do what we love every day. Um, ultimately it's a game and, uh, you know, you have to just, just know at the end of the day, whether your son or daughter, whoever went four for four, struck out four times, hit four home runs, went two for two, whatever, struck out, had a perfect game. Didn't, you know, gave up nine runs in one inning that you, you love your kid because it's a game. And I think that is number one ahead of everything. And uh, it's a shame because I know a lot of parents that, rip their kids you know why'd you do that and and what's what'd you do on that pit it's ultimately it is a game now i'm not saying you can't help them and correct them maybe there's some things you could, could do to correct them and yes proper training getting great coaches like yourself coach uh or whoever is is obviously important but i would say number one is just love your kid and be there for your kid uh, i really think that really helps them and it takes a lot of pressure off of them I love it. And I actually get this question pretty often myself as a coach. And my first instinct is to tell them, let the coach be the coach and you be the parent. Because so many parents start to try to be coaches and the relationship of the kid to the parents are no longer the same because it's not in that connection. If you're a parent who is a coach, and it's just for myself, later on when I'm uh, still coaching and playing and and being active and when I have my son and daughters I'm not going to be coaching them I'll be in supporting them being there for them but I'll have someone that I can trust and I believe in their methods and their system 
to coach them because my relationship with my son and daughter is more important than my coaching of them. So that's that's something that I encourage every parent is to really step back, allow the coaches to do the, their job, allow your kids to have fun and learn and grow with the coaches. And when they come to you, they come to you for the support and the love and care that they want from you. So I, I would totally agree with you, Coach Justin, and, and I would totally say that that is highly, highly something that I would also uh, say to Jen as well. So thank you for asking that question, Jen, and I hope that many uh, parents that are out there listening to this will get this feedback and really run with it because at the end of the day, your kids are your kids first. So don't allow yourself to turn into the coach. Allow yourself to become the best parent that you can be. Thank you again, Coach Justin, for logging in chatting with me and giving us a whole bunch of nuggets man coach it's a pleasure and you do such a wonderful job and you're such a positive force and uh i just want to you know be around selfishly i want to be around people like you I, i just i there's so much negativity and every time i see you post anything on instagram it's always positive how you can get better uh, things you're eating, which by the way, you've given me a lot of ideas, um, <laughs> eating, drinking healthy, everything healthy, positive, And, uh, you know, you're what it's all about. So you're a great mentor and, uh, no wonder you built such a nice, uh, community. So, uh, I appreciate it. And there's actually some things that you and I need to talk about off the air because, uh, I think this whole virtual thing could bring a lot of opportunities for you and I together. And we could talk about that further. Sounds amazing. Sounds great. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to our podcast today. I hope that you subscribe, leave the five-star review. If you enjoyed this, I hope that you learn, you grow, because at the end of the day, like I said in the beginning, I'm learning with you guys. I'm not better than you.